And welcome to this edition of the Patriotic American Citizen Podcast, Pac-Man for short. I'm Ted Flint. Back by popular demand is my young daughter, Madeline. Last show we did, honey, we got, I don't know how many hits, but I think hundreds of people listened to our program. It concerned the mascot, the Cambridge Indians mascot, whether or not to keep it or scrap it. And that's going to be the theme of this show, at least part of it. We went to the uh, school board meeting last week, and I want to give you the, the floor. I'll give you your chance to say your piece as you did so eloquently uh, last week. Some people came up to me afterwards saying, your daughter was just, she was amazing. You know, for 17, you had all those thoughts. You composed yourself real well, and uh, and you read the riot act to, to that school board without really naming names, but they knew. Well, you, used, you used woke a couple of times, didn't you? Tell us about it. Um, wow. I mean, I didn't think I was very eloquent up there. Um, all I could think of was, wow, I, I really strongly dislike what everybody's saying and no one is saying what I want to hear. So I'm going to do it myself. And I, I got up there and I felt like I rambled on for a while. Um, I just, I had some notes based on what other people were saying. And then I got up there and just talked about how the town really wasn't in such a huge divide until, um, until it became woke. Mm-hmm. That's really the bottom line. Until everybody was like, you know what? Other places in this country are doing this and we should be doing this. And, and how come we're not yet? That is when I realized that um, we were in big trouble at that yeah. point. You know, thanks for mentioning that because that, that was, I think, a turning point when one woman stood up who was for scrapping the mascot. No doubt from the arts community, I think. She, she says she's not a plant. She's been here how many years? 17, 20 years, 15 years. A lot of these people are from New York City. And they come up here maybe for a second home initially, and then they stay. They like it here, but they bring their ways with them. That's okay. But this is Cambridge. It's a rural Washington County uh, village and town. It's they, they want to make it Greenwich Village, and I, I think what your point you made was was well taken. I mean, there wasn't any dissension or not that much of it until recently with this with this issue, and uh, you said about following trends. And I've I've always said you and I talked about this. Uh, numerous times, anybody who would follow a trend will, will never set a trend. And we're not followers. I know some of us here in the village. And I think she was making the point like, it, it, look, it's happening all across the country. It's going to happen here eventually. Why fight it? But just because it's happening elsewhere, it doesn't mean it's going to happen here because it's not going to happen here. Yeah, I don't know. I know that I remember when you and I have discussed that whole like follower can't be a leader type thing. The only way that I'm a follower is that I follow God and that's that's, right. he's, that's the only one yeah. but you can't you can't lead if you're going to follow a pack because you can't be creative you're never going to stand out you're not going to be heard you're not going to show up as somebody who has really good ideas who can speak for the public why would you want to blend in and do what everybody else does and I think I wrote about that in my open letter to the board of, board of education I think last month or so yeah um the same woman uh, said that uh, she talked about identity politics. She goes, it's identity politics. It's identity politics. Like it's a good thing. And that's why we're divided. But that's that's the purpose of identity politics. It's meant to divide. It is a tactic used by people who employ identity politics. They're not even hiding it anymore. Right. They're not even trying. And the whole identity politics thing, whenever I talk to somebody and they, they start using that and they claim to not be racist and that they're fighting against racism, but who is the racist in a discussion where somebody is 
basing all their arguments on your skin color. Mm -hmm. Somebody who follows identity politics is going to look at me and go, okay, you're tan, so you've got to have a black parent or something, so I automatically have privilege over you if they're, if they're white. And then they look at me and they're like, okay, well, you should be thinking like this. This is how people have been treated who are like you. You're oppressed and like because of like ancestry or whatever, I still would be. And, and then they have to use identity politics in the schools and corrupt education. And everything else based on like okay they're they're the Native Americans, they had they were put under I don't know, um, the the Trail of Tears and all that yes. on, like the Cherokee Indians. Yep. Anybody who's Native American, they'll use that and associate that with current Native Americans, mm -hmm. like my grandmother. Like I, I didn't understand what they meant by her being insensitive towards her own um, heritage because I was told that on social media just today. I got into a conversation with somebody. They told me that. Anybody who supports the mascot is insensitive, ignorant, stupid, whatever they wanted to call it. Xenophobic. Yes, that, that's what Trump, I was a called. A Trump supporter. <laughs> I was called a xenophobe because I yeah. said, it's really ironic how you're telling me my Native American family is being racist towards their own culture. And, yeah. you know, they didn't know what to say besides you're a xenophobe. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, these, some of these people think they're so smart. And I, I hate to sound conceited. But I forgot. No. <laughs> I forgot. I've forgotten more than they'll ever know about about this kind of thing and about politics. I've been studying this stuff all my life, and you're you're well on your way as uh, to uh, to uh, to learning a great deal about how the left operates. I mean, I've read scores of books over the last thirty years. This is their method of operation to divide uh, people along racial lines, ethnic lines, uh, class lines, just to divide and to cause trouble. And and you can feel the dissension. You could, it's the, it's palpable. You can cut it with a knife, the tension in that room. And I think it's, I think it's a microcosm really of what's going on across the country. There are really two, two countries. There's red state, blue state. It's not black and white. It's red and blue, or it's, you know, it's urban and rural. And a lot of these people who uh, want to scrap the mascot, some of them have been here quite a few years, but most of these people are not rural in their the way they live their lives. They're, they're from the city, New York no, City, many of them. Their farmlands are not farmlands. They're, they're not farmlands, <laughs> right. So, I mean, to each his own. But, I mean, if you, if you feel that way, and we have to look, we have to live in the same village, in the same town, and we need to get along. And I think we all do relatively. We have up until this mascot thing. Up until thing. everything became woke. Up until we had influencers come online because, you know, they're hiding behind their social media so they can use autocorrect, they can use Google, they can use whatever they want to use to hide so that they don't have to look somebody in the eye and have a truthful conversation. Um as soon as they started coming to this town and stirring up trouble behind the scenes, everybody started to pick a side. And once I started seeing people pick a side in our tiny little rural town, my graduating class was 67 kids. Like, yeah. why, what's going on? Well, I think, and Mommy mentioned this, my wife, uh, Natasha, who's done a couple of shows with us. Um, well, your Mommy, <laughs> not mine. But she said, you know, the, the battle is spiritual. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It's Ephesians 6, 12. We, we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's and I, You can feel that in, in, a, in a setting like that, that night. The school no, no. board, half the school board, I mean, they were, I, I don't know where they were. The, 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 the former school board president has stirred up a lot of trouble and he was called out for it, and rightly so. And uh, mm -hmm. when he announced he was stepping down at the beginning of the, of the meeting, that took the wind out of my sails because I was prepared to speak. But when he stepped down and turned the rain, reins over to... Uh, he definitely did that out of spite, though. He did it for the wrong reasons, right? But, I mean, I'm not done. I'm just getting started. You and I have... And the next meeting's August 12th. Mm -hmm. and oh, we'll if be we're, there. <laughs> we'll be there unless we're on vacation. We may have to go on vacation that week. But 
this uh, the notion of the uh, whether or not to keep the mascot was part of it. It kind of morphed into and it segued nicely into this critical race theory, which you've mentioned, yeah. which are trying to teach. Uh, trying to uh, force on us, put in our public schools. This is from Washington It's and Albany as well. So it's not just a local thing, although some of these people on the school board, they want critical race theory. And some of the key phrases to look for, if you're wondering if your school is teaching critical race theory, e equity, uh, inclusion. Uh, what, what are some of the other buzzwords? The 1619 Project. Oh, yeah. We, we can talk about that. 1619 was the year that the first slaves were brought over. And uh, slavery ended, though, in 1865. You mentioned the Trail of Tears with the Indians and how uh, President Jackson uh, mistreated the Indians. But that was 1830. Yeah, it's now 2021. The, the Native Americans now are American Indian. We don't even hear that term anymore, American Indian. We, it's Native Americans. Well, it's actually indigenous. That's well, Indigenous is yes. the politically correct yes, word. Okay. Is. Well, I won't say indigenous. I don't want to scrutinize anybody. <laughs> I know that I, I spoke and everything at the, the board meeting, but I had some things on the tip of my tongue that I just couldn't spit out. I just talked about um, racial divides and everything and, and stereotyping. But you mentioned something about the 1619 Project and how that came from a federal level and everything. And it's, it's slowly working its way down to like little rural towns like Cambridge. Um, I thought about how they, how, well, then they left us despise trickle-down economics because, you know, it's coming from somebody wealthy and it's making its way down. And, the, and I've been told by liberals or whoever, like, oh, that never works. That's that's terrible. Trickle-down economics, that, that doesn't do anything. But they don't mind if something in the education field trickles down from a federal yes, level. That's, right. that's another thing that they claim to hate, but then they yeah. love it when it works for their side. Yeah, they're hypocrites. And uh, yeah, the fish rots from the head down. And, you know, with, with education, much of it, if not all of it, comes from the federal level. Uh, and, and the NEA, the National Education Association, and the UFT, the United Federation of Teachers, came out with something last week saying that not only are they teaching it in 14,000 of the nation's public schools, but they are schooling their members, their union members, and how to battle or how to answer anti-CRT rhetoric. So if you and I are a concerned citizen, comes out at a school board meeting and, and takes issue with the teaching of critical race theory in your local district, the, the teachers have a way to answer you. So they're, they're schooling their members on how to, to, to answer some of the anti-CRT rhetorics. I mean, they are teaching it. They can claim they're not, and they are. They're saying, well, we're not doing, we're not doing that, but they are doing yeah, it. They are under the name of equity. Equity and, and inclusion. It sounds and, like it's harmless. That's right. It's not, not harmless. It Unless is. Unless you really pay close attention to this, you really have to dig into this. Because if you breeze over it and see the word equity, you're like, okay, that's great. That's that's fine. But it's it's a big problem. It is. And it's Marxist in its origins. And if you want to learn more about this, we're not going to talk about it here, but you can go to hillsdalecollege.com. And there there's a, a complete section on, on the Marxist origins of critical race theory. Please inform yourself and, and inform your neighbors about it. Uh, so... I think we did quite well. The, the, the vote went our way. The, the mascot, the name, has been reinstated. They retired the name last month. We re, uh, rehired. What, what's a better word, way to describe Restored. it? Restore the name. Cambridge Indians. And, you know, so many schools around here have Indian names. I mean, yeah, they do. That's because this, this whole land, a lot area. of these areas mm -hmm. are historically Native American, like um, 
Cambridge and then Mechanicville and Scaticoke and all of those. Um, Hoosick Valley is the Indians. Yep. They'll probably be next to be hit with fire. And then Mechanicville recently changed their mascot, but they kept their name, which is Red Raiders. So I'd think if anything is like racially inappropriate or taboo by today's standards, it would be Red Raiders, not yeah. Cambridge Indians. We're pretty neutral. Yeah, you know? I think though Cambridge, because we have a vibrant arts community, for whatever reason, the, the artistic community tends to be liberal. And in our, in our uh, proximity to Vermont and Massachusetts, I mean, we are closer to some of these liberal enclaves than the mechanical. It's, it's working class, it's ethnic. They're not going to be, <laughs> you think some of these, uh, uh, some of these, our farmers in Cambridge here were reluctant to even hear anything about changing the name of I the Cambridgeians. I was too. <laughs> But those, those folks in Mechanicville are, are not going to stand for it. They're not going to stand for any changes to their mascot, nor should they. I mean, change is good sometimes, but change for the sake of change is not always good. We, we, we've found that out over the years. I don't want to cut you short. Have you said your piece? We have a few other things to get to. You've pretty much said everything you wanted to say. I don't want to, if you, if you didn't, we can come back uh, and do it in a couple of days. Yeah, I think we've really talked about everything because if we go into the whole mascot issue and the stereotyping and um, one of my points that I had mentioned to the board was was the NBA team who has um, like the Celtics. They have that little um, mm -hmm. Irish. <laughs> the leprechaun. leprechaun. So that's a, the, the fighting Irish. It plays into it plays into all the, the negative stereotypes about Irish. There We all like to drink and brawl and everything else. Well, why not scrap that? You made that point at the uh, at the school board meeting. And as far as white privilege, I want to jump back as you mentioned the Celtics got me in mind to uh, LeBron James and the NBA. Is he uh is he privileged? Is he using his black privilege over me in the NBA? I mean, why why aren't I not in the NBA? Because I'm not 6-7 or 6-8 as he is and I I can't dunk a basketball. It's because of his merit. We need to restore meritocracy. Nobody's looking at merit anymore, which is really sad. Yeah. But, you know, they, that's where this whole identity politics comes into play in every single thing. College applications, sports teams, the mascot stuff. And I pulled up the picture of this Celtics um, mascot. <laughs> he, <laughs> What are the things that you notice right away? Well, I noticed the, uh, let's see. Well, the, what do you mean? His, the shamrocks all over the place? Yeah, his, if, pretend his to be pipe. judgmental. Pretend to be. Okay. Um, He's got a, a pointy liberal, nose. Pretend to be a liberal. Pretend to oh, judge wow. him based on what you see, not on what you know. He's white. He is white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's Irish. Exactly. And do you think, because he is, well, there's the, black he is the representation of that whole basketball team, and the members of the Celtics are mostly black. Mostly People black now. Yeah, yeah, mostly black now. Now they are, because years past, they were they had a lot of white players, and but they have like, I forget how many championship banners hanging from the Boston Garden, like 26. And... Uh, Somebody brought that up to Bill Russell, great Boston Celtics center. They said, you know, Bill, how come it's been alleged that Boston is a racist city? And I've heard this from people, black players and black boxers. Larry Holmes said he had some bad experiences while living in Boston. I think Bill Russell did when he first moved there. He said, look, as far as Red Auerbach, former Celtic coach and general manager, he would put five gorillas in basketball suits if he thought they could win. And the Celtics won. Black, white, whatever the team makeup was, they they got the job done. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Don't I'll get I'll go off and talk about the <laughs> no. Celtics for an hour and a half. It's okay. I was just gonna keep talking about them. They have Jalen Brown, they have Jason Tatum, they have a couple other like a lot of other really great players. Yeah. And they're black. Does it offend you being Irish and Native American or ugh, I cut that out. Does it offend you being Irish American 
and white that there is a team in the NBA with black superstar players being represented by a little leprechaun from your ancestral land. How does that it's make not very feel? inclusive, not having any white players on the team, is it? Uh, and it's certainly not equitable. But it doesn't. But it doesn't offend me. It doesn't offend me. Well, it doesn't offend me because I wasn't enslaved by black people. You know what I mean? Irish weren't the Irish enslaved and oppressed by the British. The British, right? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's so an issue for Britain. Oppression. They faced yeah. oppression. So why should they be a mascot? Not the future. It's not this present that we're in right now. That did happen. Nobody is denying that there were murders against indigenous children in Canada. Nobody is denying the Holocaust. Nobody, even though maybe there are some conspiracy theorists out there who are wrong, yeah, yeah. who do, no one's denying that people in Ireland were starving and dying from the famine. Mm -hmm. That's why they came to America for a better life. Mm -hmm. And the melting pot and the assimilation that happened here between all those different cultures was supposed to be a good thing. And now we have people looking at the past and wanting to change everything that those people died for. Say I went to a foreign country where the, um, the native people there were not, they're not native English speakers. And why would I go there and, and throw a fit because nobody there is speaking English? I'm American, I speak English, why aren't you all speaking English and I want you all to change that so I can understand you better so it's easier for me to live here. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna bring my music and my clothing taste or whatever that I brought from America, but I'm not gonna have a problem with everybody else speaking another language. So you assimilate, but you don't, you also have to, you can bring your own culture, sure. just don't shove it on everybody because it's That's not, right. it's a different country. So. Yeah, if you want to go to your church and, and the mass or the church is said in your language, that's fine. If you want to speak your native language around the dinner table that's or around family members, that's fine. But when you're out in the general public, you need to be able to converse in English because you're not going to get far ahead in America if you don't learn English. That's just the bottom line. It's it, that held 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and it still holds today. You're going to have a di more difficult time. All right. Have we, have we pretty much... Uh, Done everything we, we set out to do here at 20 minutes ago? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there's always room for more, but, <laughs> you know. The next podcast. Honey, thank you. That's my daughter, Madeline. She's 17. She's going to start SUNY Albany in the fall, which, well, late summer even, yeah. August 23rd. Too early. <laughs> well, you're not kidding. Folks, I you know, I had some other things to get to. We'll do it in the next uh, program, probably tomorrow night or Thursday. We hope to have you tuned in with us. Again, if you uh, want to hear this show, or tell your friends about it. It is the Pac-Man Podcast. I'm Ted Flint. And the uh, network to go to when you want to listen to all our fine shows, we have several up there. We have the Adrian Ross Show. She had a new show this uh, this week. The Ken Burns Show, the Ken and Mike Show, and Mic'd Up with Mike Hansen and Set Apart with Kristen Kuhn. It's the BMGnetwork.com. And if you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman at the BMGnetwork.com, all lowercase. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.